This is the Cherished You Podcast. I am your host, Rama. Welcome back, guys, to another episode. Um, I, this week, I'm going to be talking about the second pillar out of my five self-care pillars. Um, I know I'm moving through this, like these series of episodes can, can seem kind of slow when I was listening back to them. That was, um, I find the information interesting, but I could could understand that if you're kind of waiting for other kind of things, this, this stuff can seem kind of boring almost. Um, the reason I kind of wanted to just reiterate why I'm structuring it this way is that a lot of the stuff that I talk about, I kind of have my own lingo for. I have my own vocabulary, my own language I've made up over time when I talk about these things. And I've what I've learned is that it's easier to communicate with someone when you understand what their perception of words are. So it, this is important because a lot of times miscommunication doesn't come from not understanding what the other person is saying. It's not understanding how the other person understands language. Um, we all understand what are what words are and what words look like, but in particularly, in, in, I found this in English having since I speak other languages, in English in particular, words tend to have opposite meanings or contradictory meanings um, or um, new, more nuanced meanings when you go from person to person. So all words don't mean the same thing when you go person to person, um, particularly with English. So I find it helpful, especially because a lot of the stuff that I talk about, um, while you may have heard the concepts before, um, I feel like I present them and discuss them a little bit differently. So it helps to just be on the same page around the language and what the words and concepts I'm talking about mean when I speak of them so that we're not misunderstanding each other. And that's really just where I'm coming from on this whole series. Um, these series of episodes that are a little bit more instructional are going and educational are going to be going through the rest of the, the till the end of the year. When I restart, um, I'm going to take a break the last the last week of the year. And when I restart in January, um, I'm hoping to kind of mix in the educational content with more conversational content. And that's my goal as we kind of move forward with this. Um, a lot of these um, these episodes that I'm doing right now um, is kind of, they have like a dual purpose. I'm posting these as on my blog as a supplement to blog posts. And um, I'm also kind of rebuilding, um, I am rebuilding my website from scratch. So I'm having, um, I'm kind of recreating some other content in different formats so that it's available to people. Um, it's a little bit more inclusive in how it's presented so that people can digest what I'm saying in whatever way kind of works for them. So I'm kind of hitting the more visual with the reading and then more audio with these episodes as well. So that's kind of where I'm at. So anyway, today, as we move forward in these pillars, uh, last week was nutrition and kind of like an overview of what the self-care pillars are and how I came up with them um, and why I call them pillars rather than like... Um, that, you know, because they're habits more so than anything, but why I don't call it like um, something more flouncy, I guess, or um, like these guys, these, these quote unquote, like what, what constitute, what I consider self-care is really like um, self-nourishment. And 
the the point of these pillars is really like these are kind of like the baseline foundation um like raw material that allows you to have a uh, solid body to kind of go through with your life we really where these kind of why i use these concepts the way that i do them and why I feel like it's so important to go into a little bit more in depth in them is that we all only get the one body we have in this lifetime. So I would, and I've, I've seen so often that we take our bodies for granted or we find our bodies to be a nuisance that doesn't let us do what it needs to do and not taking into account that it's its own living, breathing thing. And you need, and it, it is the ultimate boundary of what you can and cannot do and the easiest way to allow your body to give you as much slack as it can as to so that you can do all that you want to do um, or all that you put your mind to is really to learn what it needs on a consistent basis and then it won't have random aches and pains or break down on you or force you, you know, like or, or put you in a place of an injury where you're forced to rest because you've already kind of structured all these things into and pack them into your lifestyle and your life with how you're what when, when you're going through it with your body and i really think that um a lot of what gets lost in the health part is how important our bodies are and how much we despise them and we're taught to despise them as something that holds us back when really it you can only go as far as your body will allow. So the better you take care you take of it, um, the more it will let you do. So um, today's pillar is movement. And I call it movement and not exercise. A, because I come from a background of diet culture and exercise was always this thing that was inextricably linked to um, whether um, whether or not you were allowed to eat something. So there was always that kind of push and pull with food and and exercise. And the reason that I changed like trained it to nutrition and movement is really because food is not something you earn by how much you've moved. And movement is not something you do to earn food that's quote unquote bad. Like that, that, that's, that equation is just so wrong and off and so not the way that our bodies are meant to function. And so I, when I broke down nutrition, my whole point of even calling it nutrition to begin with was to, was, was hopefully to get the point across that it's not just food. It's, the things you eat literally make up every single cell in your body and the parts of that cell. So there is something there is something to taking into account that you know what? Yeah, like I can have pizza, but I'm going to need vegetables too. Yes, I can have soda, but I'm I'm going to need water at some point also. So and and the same thing kind of goes with movement. Now, this movement in me in particular with me has been kind of like a love-hate relationship. Again, I come from that background of diet culture, so I always used working out um as um all with all in the mind of 
a calorie deficit. So if I worked out more and ate less, that calorie deficit would get larger and I would lose more weight. That was always what was, um, what I, that, that was kind of like the dogma that I grew up with. And, um, it took me a lot of years to undo that. So calling it movement was first, um, taking ownership of the fact that our bodies are meant to move in whatever capacity you are able to do so our bodies are meant to move and I also come from um, a long history of depression, which meant that I purposely didn't move for long periods of time because my mind just wouldn't allow me to. And I would be, uh, my my default like nervous system response is, is freeze. So I tend to just kind of shut down and stay in one place and movement, like literally just the act of like moving my body, even in slow ways has been um, so helpful in me kind of retraining my nervous system to not um, even in freeze to want to be like okay if I can just move a little bit I can cope with this situation a little bit better Um, I tend to if uh, I tend to gravitate toward inertia uh, especially in 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 moments when I'm depressed or or my nervous system is um, is reacting to something and movement just the concept of it has helped to kind of really um, reprogram that portion of my nervous system response. And I think people who experience freeze um, more so than other forms of nervous system uh, dysregulation, um, it's really hard to want to move out of it because the comfort of not doing anything is so attractive in a lot of instances, especially when you're going through it. Movement, I kind of broke up into two subcategories. There's structured and then there's unstructured. Structured is exactly what it sounds like. It's a dedicated time that you put aside each week for whatever um, whatever body goal you have. And I don't necessarily mean aesthetics. I don't necessarily mean the size that you're at or, um, you know, you're growing your butt or getting leaner legs or getting toned arms. It's not necessarily aesthetics, but also like if you're learning a new skill, you know, if you're trying to do a push up, you would have to set aside time to learn how to do the push up and any exercise that would be supplementary to being able to do um, push ups to whatever degree you're looking to learn how to do them. Um, I, I personally like to dance. So a lot of my structured movement is centered around what will make me a better dancer. So um, there's going to be some strength involved in that. There's going to be some um, mobility involved in that. There's going to be some flexibility involved in that in my in my structured movement. Um, there's going to be some cardio. So for, for cardiovascular um, capacity, there's also going to be that component. For some people, this might just be um, something like yoga or Pilates that lets them either reconnect to their body and get a breathing, um, uh, a breath work kind of habit installed as well. Um, And for some people, it's, you know, really heavy weightlifting or they're they're power lifters or they're bodybuilders. And then their structured movement is kind of centered around that. So your structured movement really is whatever goal you have of how you want to move in your body, that's kind of where you would learn the skills to be able to do that's that overall movement better. Then there's unstructured movement. And this is what people traditionally um, understand as a quote unquote active lifestyle. Now, really what that means is that human bodies are not meant to sit around as much as we are in some cases forced to or need to. Um, and we're also, um, 
not meant to get not to not, not meant to always run at a speed that um tells your brain and your nervous system that oh I'm like running for my life kind of deal so um even active jobs like I have an active job and I've also had very inactive jobs but in uh, in both cases what I've what I noticed is that um in inactive jobs it's really important to just try to find ways to not always be sitting still I I was always kind of had an issue with sitting still for long periods of time so I was able to find ways to constant like to not constantly be moving but moving enough so that I'm not losing my mind in active in, in active work environments um it it can you can feel stressed out just at the fact that you have to constantly be moving that in and of itself is a stressor it can be a a distressor versus uh, a you stressor you meaning that it's it's better it's good for you um, but overall unstructured movement is if you have an active job that requires you to be on your feet a lot um, it's important to incorporate a little bit of unstructured movement where you can decompress where you can move but move with more intention with more breath uh, with um, with more time so you're not so hurried so you can kind of Again, show your body, show your brain and your nervous system that, look, I'm moving a lot, but I'm not stressed out. Like, I'm making time to decompress. So, like, I may be running at a high speed with shallow breaths for a long period of time. Get all that information that tells your brain and your body, okay, I'm stressed out. I'm running for my life. That's like a fight or flight response. Versus if you added in a little bit of um, slower activity going for a walk after work even though if you've been you know running around during work but you take a slower walk after work also your body's like oh, okay movement just because I'm okay yeah I may be running at a stressed out space here but here's movement that's not so I can calm down and realize that your body doesn't need to shut down in order for you um, to gain the benefits of rest and relaxation and other unstructured movement is, is exactly what it sounds like. Um, it's, you know, walks, it's playing with your kids, it's playtime in general. Like if you're tossing a ball around, you're playing kickball, you're playing handball, that kind of a deal, uh, throwing a Frisbee, like, you know, whatever that looks like for you. Some people like to, you know, they go hiking, that kind of a deal. That's all kind of like this unstructured movement that you kind of, that's like sprinkled throughout your day. Um, so that you're not just kind of sit, sitting around all the time. And really the whole point of this, and this is stuff that people have heard before. I know you've probably heard this in some way, shape, or form. The whole point around movement, though, is to A, understand that our bodies are meant to move. We're not actually meant to be still unless we're sleeping, which is why for a lot of people, like you'll be like, okay, if I sit still, I'm going to fall asleep. That's actually kind of a normal response. Sitting around the watching TV thing that can be that can have other purposes that are helpful but overall our body really isn't meant to sit and do nothing for long periods of time an hour to a day is usually enough for most healthy individuals now this changes depending on again I I qualify that previous statement with healthy because if you have a chronic condition if you have um if you have missing limbs, like if I'm thinking of amputees um, or people who are have some other kind of um, health condition that will limit what what activity you can do, you want to still um, kind of stretch 
your boundaries as to um, what you uh, what how how much inactivity or inertia you feed your body. Rest is not necessarily sitting still or being still. Like there is this kind of, there's this push pull you kind of have to measure within yourself to understand that movement isn't necessarily moving at a fast pace all the time. Slow and steady wins a race kind of deal. You don't, you don't necessarily need to go really, really fast in order for movement to count. Slow and consistent is still better than nothing at all. And rest doesn't necessarily mean sitting on your butt. In a lot of cases it can. But in as many cases, it also just means, are you, are you doing things that are giving different feedback to your brain and to your nervous system? Like, have you been able to, you can rest and still be moving and you can recover and still be moving. Not rest and recovery doesn't necessarily require you to shut down and stop and not move is it's just a nuance I'm trying to um, introduce in there. Um, the, the other balance with, with structured versus unstructured is structured is like with any kind of overall, what I call self care. When you're, when you are learning to take care of your body, when you're learning to listen to what your body needs, you have to be willing to drop whatever your brain or your mind thinks you should be doing. And the process of learning to trust your body, and if you're, even if you've been like, been really busy for a few days and you, and you think like you need a break today and, and logically it makes sense, yet somehow your body's like, you know, yeah, I know I need to recover, but your body's just like, I really need to go and move and I want to move hard. And it doesn't have to make logical sense, but if you can create space for that, A, for listening to what your body's trying to tell you, despite the information you have before that point, and also understanding that what your mind says and what your body says may not always align, trust your body or learn how to trust your body by following what it says to the extent that you can do it. So if your body wants to move hard for 10 minutes, don't force it to go 20. It may only need 10 minutes. And I've, and again, I'm speaking from experience. This has actually just happened to me a few days ago. I'd had a long day at work. I had a long, a couple of days before that point. And I'm at the point in my cycle where I, um, I, I have a lot of energy to burn. I just, you know, I'm in the, I have a lot of energy to burn. So even with hectic work days, I still felt like I needed to get something out. So I went and did what I usually do when I want to move that way. I danced and I danced really hard for about 20, 25 minutes. And then I was done. I was done. I was like, you know what? I might dance for an hour. I didn't feel like dancing for an hour. It was 20, 25 minutes are really, really hard. It would have been like what most people count as cardio. But for me, it was just like, I got to get, I have this, like, I have this buildup of energy. I'm not going to be able to sleep well. Um, if I don't get it out of me right now. So I got it out of me and I was fine. I recovered fine the next day. I, w- I didn't put myself in a deficit at any point. Um, I also manage an autoimmune condition. So there wasn't anything there that triggered anything in me or caused a flare or anything like that. Cause sometimes too much activity without enough um, recovery can do that too. If you have an autoimmune condition of any kind, really. Um, and then 
And then when I wake up the next day, I was doing, I was moving a little slower. Um, I, I recovered, I felt fine, but overall I was just, I, I, I didn't have that buildup, um, of energy. So I was moving a little bit slower than I was the previous days, but I wasn't, um, I was more grounded. I wasn't as, um, in my head as I had been. And again, your body knows what you need. And we, in order to really trust what it, what it's saying to you and understand that what it needs is not going to be what you were taught it needs. There's, we have to undo a lot of our own sort of indoctrination as to telling our bodies what to do versus listening to our bodies on what it needs. Again, it's a, it's its own like living, breathing thing. You live in this, but it has its own kind of mechanism for doing stuff that has nothing to do with any input from you. Like it knows how to heal a wound. It knows how to send blood to the, all your organs and all the little tiny spaces and crevices. It also knows that blood has to stay within a tubal system. It can't be outside of it. Otherwise there's a problem. It knows where to send all the oxygen as to where it needs to go. It knows how to take out carbon dioxide without you telling it to do so. Um, your body knows how to function on its own. It's its own kind of ecosystem. And when we live inside of it, we have to learn how that ecosystem works and movement is such a big part of that because we tend to force our ideals and our social constructs onto this thing we live in when really it's the other way around it's not asking for a lot from you it really isn't it's just like there's kind of these baseline things and one of them is the fact that I really am designed to move I move energy through here at all times so you're really designed to move in some way, shape, or form, whatever that looks like for you. And and it's really important to develop that trust with your body to tell it for you to for you to be able to do what it needs. And to understand that if you're feeling pain, that's giving you some information. If you're feeling unbalanced, like literally, like you feel like one side is either tighter than the other or more um, more wobbly than the other, that's also giving you information. If you feel too tight, um, not so much in pain, but just tight, that means one thing. If you feel too loose on one side, but too, loose, uh, too tight on the other side, what that means. All of this stuff is just kind of information. And my, what, with, with the movement pillar, what I do in particular is really like take out whatever, unless, you, unless you've already established a good kind of relationship with your body to the point where whatever structure you have in place can stay there. Um, be willing to introduce new things to it. It likes new things. It likes to learn new things. Again, good for your overall um, a brain and nervous system health and also just your mental health is to learn new new ways to move your body new ways to connect to it and also um switch up what you do try something new and then um switch up the old like create some novelty wherever you can and let it speak to you so that you can learn how it speaks to you and how you can best respond to it that's how, that felt like a really a long ramble on um, on movement, but it's super like I I'm trying to really 
give a different perspective on what exercise means versus what movement means. And one of the things that I, uh, I do teach when it comes to these self-care pillars is really like understanding that your nutrition has a lot to do with how much energy you have. So if you just, if your response to all I'm talking about is like, look, Rama, I get what you're saying. I know it's important. I just don't have the energy to move more than what I do. Um, the big, the first place that you can really look at is what you're eating. Something in your nutrition is draining energy out of your body. Um, energy is such a funny thing because it gets, I mean, I work in a grocery store, so I always think about how many energy drinks people will buy in a day. And there's so many different forms of them now and so many different flavors and so many like all these things that come in this like can or bottle and it's all for energy. And I'm just like, why are we so looking for energy but not looking at the one place where like it's going to make the biggest difference, which is with your food? Um you don't need a lot of supplements. You don't need, um, you don't need all the coffee or the rock stars or the monsters or whatever Red Bull, and like these external factors of trying to dump energy into your body when it's really they really just end up frying out your nervous system to such a degree where if you try to recover from any of those things, like you get massively sick from withdrawal. Like that's how much crap is in this shit. So. Um, when it, if you're just telling, like, if your response to any of this is just like, I just don't have the energy. No, even if you're 90, that's not the response you should have. Yes, there's a lot of like baseline factors that we kind of come into this world where it zaps our energy, but you, sh there are, we're, we're fountains of energy. Like our, our cells are literally creating energy all the time. So if you don't have any, there is something that you are inputting that is draining it out of you instead of giving it to you. And the number one place you can look at is your nutrition and really kind of go through it and see, is, does your nutrition actually have nutrients in it? Are you getting the vitamins and minerals that you need? Are you getting enough just raw calories? Are you getting enough macronutrient calories into your, um, into your body? Are you giving it the right macronutrients? Are you really, really carbohydrate heavy and you just have no protein? So your, your body's breaking down your muscle. So yeah, you're not going to have a lot of strength to move your bones. So if, if the big things that help move your bones aren't there, or they're deteriorating to have to feed because protein is the one thing that you need all the time to constantly be replenishing on a multiple times a day every day. There really is no storage space. There's like the way there is with fat tissue, there is no storage sack for protein in your body outside of your skeletal muscle. There isn't. And if your body is breaking down skeletal muscle instead of creating skeletal muscle, that is a problem. Is there enough fat in your diet and the, and the kind of fat that's making up your cell membrane so that when your cells try to repair themselves, there's actually a membrane around all, all that stuff. 
if you're if you're not eating the correct fats, you're not going to be able to get those in. You're not going to your body's not going to be able to create those cells without them being massive massive issues with them, and they're going to have to get rid of them if your immune system's working properly. All of these things are connected. So when you have an when you have a nutrition issue, or when you have an energy issue, um, and you just can't find it in yourself to go. Um, to move any more than what you're moving or as little as you're moving right now, as I've been on both ends of it. And there is no judgment here. It's just a fact. Sometimes you are moving a lot at a really stressed out pace. So you get um, you get home and you're, and you're just worn out or you don't move at all during the day. And, you know, um, like attracts like kind of like this principle in physics, like an object in motion stays in motion and object is rest stays at rest. It's really hard to get moving if you've been stuck in like freeze or quote unquote rest or just if you're stuck in inertia for a long period of time as somebody who's personally done that. Look at your nutrition. If you don't have the energy, you need to look at your food. You have to. And look and see if there are the proper nutrients in what you're intaking because if there isn't, if there if your food is missing any kind of nutrient, but if it's and for, but most likely if you have a, an energy issue, your food is missing a whole bunch of things, and you need to take a look at it and figure out whether you need to um, get outside help or do your own research or if you know what the fix is, put that fix in place. Get your food right, and once your body has the the reserves and and is able to get its needs met in that way it will then you will then have surplus energy to be able to then move your body the way it's meant to be moved so that these guys do kind of build these pillars do build off each other in that way also don't um don't stress out too much about whether you have enough structured movement or unstructured movement the whole point of this pillar really is make sure you're moving your body every day like enough to be tired like that the whole principle of like wearing yourself out is still a real thing even though you're not a toddler or a teenager anymore just movement is healthy all around it's always it's given benefits to to it's shown benefits from start to finish no matter which way you do it you have there are long long-term benefits to consistent movement and also the biggest marker of having a good later life, because we're all living longer than we ever have before, in your old age, if you want to age as gracefully as possible, you need to keep using the body you're in. You, you don't, if you don't use it, you will lose it. So you need to make sure that you're moving your body the best way you know how. All right. Now that I've rambled on that for a while, I really just had a lot to say because I, I myself, I've struggled with a consistent movement practice of any kind. And if it was outside of my job and if there was no movement in my job, it was really, really hard for me to do anything. And I recently have come around and I spent kind of like the last six months working on my own routine of some sort. And really, it's just you're not going to feel like showing up every day. There's too many things around you that tell you that you really don't need to move. You're doing too much anyway. And that's true to a certain extent for a lot of people. Um, I do think that rest is rebellion and making sure you take the time to recover is really important. But for me in particular, I have spent most of my life in a, with a dysregulated nervous system stuck in freeze. So movement for me has been more therapeutic than it is for some other people because 
I, that has previously not been my default response to move. Um, I, I stop. I stop and I shut down um, when I'm dis- dysregulated. So movement for me has been therapeutic and looking at it that way as medicine, understanding that movement f- for me, and in a lot of cases, at least with the people that I tend to work with, um, movement is therapeutic. And just creating a routine with it in any which way that I can so that there is some structured and then making sure that I'm as mobile as I can be throughout my day um, has helped me as much as changing my nutrition has been as much as we'll go through as we go through the other pillars each of these pillars are so important for this reason this is why they're foundational to building um, a happy and a healthy life you need to have these things in place because this is how you take care of yourself this is how you know what needs need to be met by other people because at least your basic needs you can meet yours these are your basic needs that you need to meet for yourself but as much as all the other pillars have helped me movement has been as much medicine as my food has been as my community has been as any supplement has been um as any mindset work has been um so I really was hoping um, that uh, I got through to whoever needed to hear that today, that just um, any kind of movement is better than no movement at all. So whatever you're able to do, um, show up for that. It's really, really important. And it's a really, it's a really important way that you can um, learn to listen to your body and understand how it speaks to you. All right. Well, if you hung on that long, thank you very much. Um, (laughs) I will be back uh, next week. We will be talking about um, connection. Connection is the next pillar. And um, I'll go over that again. A little probably will be on the longer side uh, as I kind of explain where I'm coming out with these things. But um, I really hope that this helps whoever is supposed to help. And I will talk to you guys next time. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening to the Cherished You podcast. If you could please leave me a review, um, subscribe and share. It really helps get the podcast out to those who it will help the most.